And what a great story it is. And, and we get to participate in that love story of God. In fact, he wrote us a book, and it's a love letter written to us to help us to uh, learn and to engage in relationship with him. Let's go, please, to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy divine name and thank you so very much for everything that you've done and for all that you do, for all that you will do for us, Lord God, in our future. We're thanking you, Lord God, for our past that has gone before us and yet you still have blessed us and loved us. For our present, Lord God, asking that you will help us to walk in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And for our future, Lord God, that one day you will come and take us home to be with you. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus who made all this possible through his blood, through his death on that cruel cross of Calvary. Help us never to forget the graciousness of the kindness that you've displayed and shown toward us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee. Be thy will. Amen. Uh, John chapter 1 tonight, please. We are continuing um, in the depth of the Bible, the remarkable book, the amazing book that we, we have and that we hold and that we adore and that we appreciate as it is inexhaustible in its source of knowledge and its depth of wisdom is absolutely incredible. And though folks uh, fight it all the time, uh, they fight its truth. They don't want to obey, to, uh, to surrender to the will of God. And that, that is not our problem, but rather that is a problem of the individual heart. So we as men, what do we know? Well, we only know what God reveals, right? right? Some things God reveals in his word, other things God reveals in other ways. But speaking in particular about his word, we understand what God reveals to us in his word. And yet God has given us his word. And there's so many scriptures that are still very difficult to comprehend, understand. John 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. The darkness of this world is something that outside of Christ we become used to. In fact, you just watch the news and you become used to darkness, right? Darkness and more darkness and darkness and darkness. And the darkness cannot comprehend the light. What opened our eyes as we were in the darkness? God, right? God opens our eyes and reveals to him the amazing marvelous riches of his grace god has to reveal it to us for us to understand that's a very important point that we have to submit to to understand that it's not me i'm not the smart one but god reveals what he chooses to reveal to the heart ecclesiastes 8 verse 16 the bible says when i gave my heart to know wisdom and to see to the task which has been done on the earth even though one should never sleep day or night. And I saw every work of God, I conclude that man cannot discover the work which he has done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover. And though the wise man should say, I know, he cannot discover. In other words, God has to reveal it to us. Now, I'm gonna, I want us to go real, real, well, deeper than we can comprehend. Turn to Second Chronicle. I mean, Corinthians. Excuse me. Second Corinthians, chapter twelve. Let's go deeper than we can actually comprehend. I know it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's possible because we go into heaven, and when you go into heaven, we understand heaven in the sense that 
It's a place that God has in the eternals, but can't comprehend it. Right? Deeper than we can ever comprehend. More marvelous and more great, I guess greater. (laughs) More marvelous and more greater. (laughs) More marvelous and greater than anything you can conceive of on earth. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We go, how beautiful. That place was amazing. God says, I've got one greater for you. But not just the garden, our own homes, right? Our own homes, the life in which we live, the place in which we live, this place called earth, how beautiful it is. And God says, I've got one greater. The very things that we love and enjoy and appreciate. God says, I've got one greater. Our technology, modern conveniences, etc. And God says, I've got one greater. A place that's so deep, can't comprehend it. So the apostle was taken in this, if you will, out-of-body experience. And verse 3 is where we're picking up. And I know how, uh, I, and I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up in a paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. We're not even allowed to speak the heavenly language. We're not worthy enough of that yet. You gotta get there first. Right? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I love language. Here we have this language that we are not permitted to speak. And, and as, as, as the, you know, the apostle, I believe it's Paul, as he's talking about this, this out of body experience and where he was in the, in the heavenlies, if you will, up there in the presence of God, he says, I gotta tell somebody. And God says, no, you can't talk about this. Okay, I'm not gonna say a word, you, Paul. You can't talk about this. No, 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 no. I, and then God says, you know, <laughs> I know humans. This place is so fantastic. You're not going to be able to keep your mouth shut. So here's what I'm going to do for you. Verse 7. And because of the unsurpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a throne in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. You know where I was. Let me tell you what happened. You know, Paul, you, you've got to keep this under wraps. Revelation chapter 4. But God has to reveal it to us. And what God has revealed to us in, in images and, and pictures and uh, similitudes, the things that God has given to us in the scriptures that we say, okay, I get it. This is God is trying to describe something to us that in reality, we can't comprehend. I mean, which one of us can comprehend eternity? Right? Eternity? Eternity. Eternal. Which number would you use? Right? The largest number I've ever, <laughs> I've ever seen. I guess, what is it? Sextillion? Sextillion. Seventeen zeros, if you will. It's a lot. I don't even know what that number means. <laughs> it's a big number. It's a number I learned. I don't even know why I even learned that number. I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway. Eternity. And God says, I've got a place for you. Prepare that... I'm going to reveal bits and pieces of it. I'm going to reveal just a glimpse of it. But I want you to understand it's something that you're not really going to be able to comprehend. But I want you to think about it. Right? 
And we use the imagination of our heart and we try to get ourselves or add ourselves or place ourselves in the, in the presence of this throne room and try to understand what it could be like. And God says, let me give you some images, but you're still not going to be able to comprehend it. But you'll be able to think about it and walk away with a smile on your face. I want to do that this evening. Revelation 4, beginning of verse 1. And these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of the trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Now, I, I, I stood before Nero because I was, I was on trial. And I saw his throne. And God said, well, when you get up here, there's one throne and 24 more around it. And then he starts describing the greatness of the throne. He said, I want you to imagine this now. I made a promise to the whole world. I made a promise to the earth in Genesis chapter 9 that I would never flood the earth again. And I'm going to give you a rainbow to prove it to you. And he says, I want you to look at my promise. Have I kept it? Yeah, here's my rainbow. My covenant. And this is where I'm bringing you to, to this place. And I've covenanted it to you. It is a blessing that God will appear or bring in, if you will, our presence. And what a blessing. And then he goes on to describe the greatness of this place. God has to reveal it. And he says in verse 5, From the throne proceeded flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Remember in Exodus chapter 19 and in Exodus chapter 20, the peals of thunder on the mountain when Moses had the Ten Commandments? God says, you remember that? Yeah, see, that's me. You, you want to see power and majesty? That's me. In verse 6, And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, the four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Cherubim. And the first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had the face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night... They do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy art thou, O Lord, 
and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. And God says, brethren, I've got something for you. Isn't that good news? Look at John chapter 14. You see, they were, they were reading this passage of Scripture in the face of death. And one day when we begin to study Revelation, we'll go into more depth about what is being stated here. But they're standing in the face of death. And God is saying, when you go before Nero, or at this time Domitian, when you go before these emperors, when you stand before them, don't worry about them. Don't worry about what they can do to you. Do not worry about, do not fear man who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you. In fact, when you start reading and you get to about chapter 6, there are the beheaded saints. And yet, you continue reading in chapter 6 and you realize that they have no heads. But wait a minute. They do have heads. They're talking. And they're talking to God. And they said, don't worry about if they try to chop your head off. You'll get it back. Don't worry about it. You have nothing to fear. I have something greater than anything on the earth. And then Jesus talking to Peter. says, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter says, Lord, I won't do it. Yes, you are. And at the, the deepest, darkest moment in Peter's life, Jesus says, I want you to remember, remember this. I want you to remember this. And I want you to ever forget it, Peter. In the deepest, darkest moment of your life, I want you to remember what I'm going to tell you right now. John 14, verse 1. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What a beautiful scripture. Right? Don't let, I, I know, you blew it. And you can look at life and say in your life that maybe you have some dark moments in your life and there's sadness and there's sickness and there's sorrow and there's struggles and there's temptations. And brethren, we go through it. But the Word of God reveals to us that don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. There's something greater than this earth. In my Father's house, in verse 2, are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus says, I got something for you. Hold on, right? Hold on. See, life, life can be very, very mystical and, and very challenging. And the reason for that is because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Turn, please, to First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And since we do not know what tomorrow holds, as we strive to the very best of our ability to hold on to God. We need something revealed to us from the scriptures that will keep us strong and keep us together and keep us singing, keep us rejoicing, keep us loving, and keep us serving. And that's the word of God. God reveals it all. Brethren, the importance of reading the scriptures and staying with the scriptures and striving to understand the Word of God is God will open up your heart, your minds to understand Him more clearly. Verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Question. Do you believe in the resurrection? See that, right? Do you believe in the resurrection? 
You see, in this life, the darkest moment often culminates in death. And we ask God to help us through the times of suffering, the times of trial, the times of tribulation. And yet as we together, God's people, work together as God has commanded, we leave this earth, but then we're united again in the heavenlies. Isn't that wonderful? We're united again with our loved ones in Christ in the heavenlies, and they're going to rise first. I love saying this. When we think about uh, our deceased brethren, and we say, you know, I'll tell you a mystery that's been revealed in the Scriptures. They're not dead. They're alive. Amen? So in the heavenlies, they exist, and God says, look, I've got something great for you. I have this amazing reunion that's coming your way. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know what God is telling us? That there is an end, and the end is the beginning of a brand new life. And that beginning of this wonderful brand new life is a time where there'll be no more temptation, no more sin, no more struggles, because Satan will not be there. Thank you, God, for that. Isaiah chapter 40. God says, I want to reveal to you, I have something else for you. And so it helps us in our life to no longer focus on the disasters of this world and, and the struggles and the temptations and the trials. And, you know, we, we fail sometimes. And sometimes we, we do well. And God says, I want you to focus on something else. Focus on what I have for you. And that's the heavenlies. Focus on the spiritual things that God has for us. In the end, all this goes away. And the beautiful thing is it makes you remember, as you take a step back, that really it doesn't matter what happens to me on this earth. What shall man do to me? It really doesn't matter. Right? It really doesn't matter. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the revelation. Isaiah, the Messianic prophet, was trying to declare to them, trying to get them to understand that the Messiah would come, and when he came, he would live, and he would die, and then he would, he would take us home with him one day to the heavenlies. And they didn't understand it couldn't comprehend it so the prophet the uh, the messianic prophet says in verse 28 do you not know have you not heard the everlasting god the lord the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired his understanding is inscrutable you know what's so incredible about the scriptures god does not become Weary of my prayers, right? Of your prayers. All of our prayers, the prayers of the whole world for the entire existence of humanity, God never becomes weary or tired. So we can pray to Him all day, and we can pray to Him all night. And God says, bring all of your prayers to me. It's God's delight to hear our prayers. And the, the, the prophet is saying, haven't you heard this? Don't you know it? Don't you understand it? He goes one step further. Our God, who never becomes weary, shares his strength with us. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. What that tells me is I never have to give up. I never, ever, ever 
have to give up because God will give me the strength to make it one more day. The Bible says that, doesn't it, in Corinthians. It goes on to say in verse, 20, in verse 30, Though youths grow weary and, and, and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. God gives us the strength. And then he tells us in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, that we need to daily exercise our, our spiritual souls, right? Strengthen ourselves spiritually, for that is what is important. And understanding the, re- the revelation of God, that God revealed to us through his unlimited strength and unlimited power, that he will always provide for us, it's already in front of us, a way out. We're never like the, uh, the cat trapped in the corner. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. So verse 12, he says, put it in perspective. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Under trial. You know, the oppression of trials in your life. Blessed is the man who endures. The man who perseveres under trial. I want to come back to this in, in, in just a second. I want to go all the way back to verse 2. In verse 2 of James 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Blessed is the man who endures under trial. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You see God's connection? There's this connection of rejoicing. There's this connection of completeness in the trial. Knowing, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith, it does something. It produces endurance. And that's what we need, brother. We need endurance. And the way you get endurance is you have to go through some stuff. Right? We don't like going through it, but we pray for it all the time. Someone said, don't pray for patience, because then all the women get pregnant in the church. I said, okay, skip that one then. But let this endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And you say, Lord, I... I need wisdom, and, and I, need, I need the wisdom to make it through this, right? I need the application of knowledge, wisdom. I need the application of knowledge to make it through this trial, this struggle, this difficulty that I'm going through. And, and God says, I'll give it to you. I have all wisdom and all knowledge. I'll give it to you, verse 5. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So God says, look, I'm going to help you make it through this. I have all the tools prepared and ready for you to make it through it. Now we're going to go backwards to James 1 and verse 12 and read this again. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see what God is telling us in a trial? In a trial, realize something. There is a, there's a way out and there's a reward. There's a gift from God. I'll give you everything that you need to make it through that trial. I will walk with you. I will take care of you. I will comfort you. I will keep you. I will sustain you. I will protect you. You will be all right, but you got to trust in me. That takes wisdom. 
the wisdom to say, God, I trust you. Because God is the source and the sustenance of everything that we'll ever need. So here God, in his word, is revealing to us, brethren, that we win. Psalm 19, please. We are uh, the winners. Psalm 119, excuse me. We are the winners. We are the victors. We, brethren, never, ever have to give in. We never have to give up. It's revealed to us in the scriptures. If it weren't for the scriptures, we would never know. We could never comprehend. Verse 11. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. It's the word that reveals not only the treasures of God, but reveals even self. It tells me about me. And so I read it rejoicing in the fact that God is telling me something about me. When you read the word of God, instead of reading it outward, thinking about other people, read it inwardly. Think only of yourself. Lord God, what are you trying to tell me today? What do I have to change in my life to be the disciple, the man, the woman that you want me to be? Psalm 18, God will reveal it if we're willing to listen and to learn. The Bible is inexhaustible in its knowledge. Psalm 18, verse 1. I love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Yeah, my stronghold, my stronghood, meaning God is all over me. Isn't it great? Right? He's all over me. He's everything. Everything. Is he everything to you? God promises to be our everything if we will allow him to be our everything. And we have this problem. Romans 6 verse 23. The problem is the wage of sin is death, right? But the free gift of life is eternal life. We have this problem. And the problem is sin. We have this problem with separation. There's a separation between man and God. Romans 3 and verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have a problem. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. The problem is, it is absolutely impossible for us to make it without God. But God, through his word, has revealed to us that he made a way. Isn't that great? God made a way. We say this. We say, God is a way maker. Yeah, he is. God made a way where there is no way. God made a way where there was no way. Because there is no way that we could do enough works to pay God back for our sins. God made a way. First, God gives us a picture. And this picture is who we once were, right? In verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. Brethren, we were doomed. But you've got to love the fact that we can continue reading. In verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, 
who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank you, God. No hope. Second Corinthians chapter 5, please. Can you imagine? You, you come to the realization, the understanding that my life is without hope, without God. And when you come to that understanding, what more can you do but surrender to God so you can at least have hope, the hope of reconciliation, the hope, the promise of God. In verse 18 of chapter 5, please. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating us through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Be reconciled. God. Titus chapter 1. Am I willing to accept the difference that God makes in the lives of all who are willing and ready and able? The reconciliation that can come by, through, or from no one but Christ Jesus our Lord. God reconciled us. God made us right Again. And the only time we were right the first time on the earth was when we were babies. And then we walked away from God. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of those who chose, excuse me, are chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth which is in accordance to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Do you remember the throne and the rainbow? God cannot lie. He keeps his promises. Romans 15, and then we'll be ready almost to go. Romans chapter 15, he keeps his covenant, he keeps his promises, and brethren, all that we have to do is hold on to God and keep our promise to him. When we surrendered to Him in the waters of baptism, when we entered into the covenant relationship with God, keep the promise to be faithful to God all the days of our lives. And when we find ourselves having stepped away from righteousness, pray and ask God to forgive and go make it right with the Lord. Repent of your sins. Turn back to God that God might redeem us and save us from this wretched world. Romans 15 and verse 4, the Bible says, For whatever was written in earlier times, was written for our instruction that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. There's that word hope, hope, 
hope for the hopeless. Thank you, God. Hebrews, please, chapter 6, and we'll go home. And I pray, God, that we go home with a renewed spirit. I pray, God, that we go home with the excitement to get into his word, to dig into his word, and let God speak to you. Let God talk to you. Let God encourage you. Let God remind you. Let God thrill you and comfort you. Let God, if you will, take hold of your mind. Take it captive and free it only through his good blessing and his love. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17. In the same way God, desiring even more to show to the heirs the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge and laying hold of the hope set before us, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. This evening is the hope of Christ alive in your heart. If not, if there is something you're struggling with, there is a way that we can help. Please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?